Hello, and welcome to the Whale Rider Podcast. My name is Kim Gillio, and I'll be your host for today. So today's topic is crying out to God. Um, many times throughout scripture, we see of times when people would cry out to God. The uh, King David was a prime example, um, especially through the Psalms. You can hear where he's just crying out to the Lord um, for help, for deliverance, for forgiveness, for a lot of different things. And so um, that can look different for a lot of people. And so this is just um, an example of the first time that I cried out to God and what happened next. So I was a teenager living in Inverness still. And I remember I was just like madly in love with some boy, which was usually the case, but um, something had gone wrong. I think I was supposed to have a date with someone and it fell through or, or something. But I remember being at a friend's house. We were, we were late teens, maybe early 20s, being at a friend's house and being sad and going into the bathroom under the staircase. You know how in townhouses they have that small like half bath under the staircase. And so I was in there just kind of being sad, probably crying. And then I remember I just like looked towards heaven, you know, kind of shook my fist at God. And um, I don't even remember what I said exactly. I just remember doing it. And um, I refer to it when I think back as it as like my Lieutenant Dan moment, you know, from Forrest Gump when Lieutenant Dan was like raising his fist to God in the middle of that stormy sea and and then um the next time you see him he's kind of at peace you know and so uh I always refer to that moment as my Lieutenant Dan moment because I kind of did the same thing I just kind of you know look towards heaven even though again as I said um before um our we were called Christians but we didn't read the Bible and we didn't pray and we didn't go to church so (laughs) I don't know what kind of Christian that makes you, but, um, so I had no knowledge of God in, um, at that time, especially I could count on one hand, the amount of times I had even been in a church. It, it was less than five, you know, in my entire life. And, um, and certainly, you know, hadn't made any, any decisions or anything like that. So, uh, here I am upset. And again, I, I just remember, you know, looking up towards, you know, heaven and kind of like saying, I don't remember what I said, like something like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know, what am I supposed to do or something, just posing a question to the void. But I guess somewhere in my brain, I believed there was somebody listening, you know, that there was a God. So that weekend ended, I remember I went home. I was actually living in Tampa at the time, but I would go to Inverness, the small town that I had spent my teen years in, often to see my friends. And so I was back at home the next week, and I remember there was a knock at the door, and my dad and I went to the door, and there was a, um, a pastor and a youth pastor standing there. And um, it was just kind of shocking. We had never had a visitor before from a church, and um, they were just there to invite us to church, you know, and uh, the reason that they even had us on their radar is because when I was, I think, 13 years old, my dad had brought me to the church right around the corner from our house one time. 
we had went one time and it, it's the church that he had grown up in it's a small church it's still there and he had he had met his first wife there and um that's where he sent his tithe to even though he didn't go to church um and so they came knocking on our door well we had not been there physically in the building i think i was 20 and we had gone there when i was 13. so it was like seven years since the last time that we had been there and now this pastor and youth pastor are knocking on our door um inviting us to church and the thing about the youth pastor was he was really cute and you know (laughs) god knows uh how to speak to us you know and i just remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this is because I cried out to God and he answered me. And to this day, I believe that, you know, but the unfortunate thing is, um, at that time in my life, because of how I was living my life, going out, partying, um, you know, dating a lot, I never went to church. Like, even though they invited me and even though I really felt like God had spoke to me for the first time in my life, I even shared it with my friends and I remember they thought it was so awesome. Um, I don't know, the enemy was just there, you know, right away in my ear, like, you can't go to church. You know, I didn't know anybody there and nobody was gonna go with me. My dad wouldn't go with me. And um, I was very shy. I was much different as a 20 year old than I am now. And I, I wouldn't go by myself, you know, to save my life. And so I would begin, running is what I say. I I felt that I heard the Lord speak to me. I felt that he invited me, you know, into a relationship with him through coming to this church. And I just, I turned and started running the other, the other way. And I would continue to run, um, for the next seven years. Um, I, then I was in my later 20s and I was working at the Publix near the campus in our town and same life you know still going out still partying still dating lots of boys um, but getting older and feeling like there must be more to life than this you know and I remember I was working one day and there was this girl that worked at the store that I worked at and she was just like the nicest person I had ever met and there was just like this glow about her like she was so like she was like a ray of sunshine you know and I didn't even really um know how to explain it but there was something that was just so intriguing to me about her and she was always so friendly and she would always say hello and um and so we became friends and uh and one day I heard someone talking to her and they said oh hey Jesus girl and she was like yeah that's right I am you know and I was like Jesus girl like who you know who is Jesus you know but so it got me to realize that oh okay so she goes to church you know that's all I know she's religious that's how I would have put it at that point and so our friendship continued we ended up even becoming roommates with another friend and um and then it came to find out that she and I had the same exact birthday we're both born September 4th, 1970. I'll just go ahead and put the year out there. And um, she was born in South Carolina. I was born in Tampa. And we were born four hours apart. apart. 
so from you know then on we would call ourselves like soul sisters you know uh you know we were not only good friends but you know born the same day same year um just a few hours apart and then what was also kind of special about that is you know she's the the next person I guess I would I guess I used to say she was the first person that invited me to church but really um those two pastors had invited me to church but she was the first friend that had ever invited me to church you know um she we were roommates and I just remember her saying hey Kim I'm gonna I'm gonna visit some new churches because she was from Brandon and we lived in Temple Terrace and actually her father was the pastor of a small Baptist church in Brandon she was the oldest of five daughters and um so she normally you know that's where she would go to church but she was living in Temple Terrace you know we're college age and so she was like I'm going to start visiting some churches do you want to come with me so I I agreed you know just just really because I liked her you know and um and so I went with her and I remember we visited a few and then we ended up at Idlewild Baptist Church and I remember just being so intrigued by what what I was hearing um I don't even remember why I think it was just it was truth for one it was so different than anything that I'd ever heard I guess because of the lifestyle that I led I had seen so much betrayal you know from boyfriends and lies and um just bad behavior and so everything that was coming out of this pastor's mouth was good you know everything um I don't know it was just so encouraging so uplifting and so even though she did not continue on at that church, I did. I started going there um, regularly. I mean, Wednesdays, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was just always there. I just couldn't get enough. And I want to say it was about a year. And then, you know, lo and behold, I'm I'm nursing another broken heart, you know, and now it's um it's right before my 27th birthday. And this time I've been attending church, you know, but I've only been going to church because I go alone and um the you, the singles group was just too big for me. It was too intimidating cuz like this church was so large that its singles ministry was was bigger than some churches, you know, and so I was just too intimidated to go um and get involved in that way, but I was going to church all the time you know regularly and just um really just soaking in everything that I was being taught and you know even reading the bible on my own and so I was definitely a seeker you know at that point and then I remember um one night at home I was watching Charles Stanley on the tv and he's a you know an older pastor from Atlanta Georgia most Christians know who Charles Stanley is and he just he's like everybody's favorite grandfather you know like just so loving and so soothing and encouraging and um and so I was listening to him you know with my broken heart or whatever and uh and it just seemed like it was one of those times when every single word that he said it's like he was speaking directly to me like you know there's nobody else on the world in the world that this message is for it's just for me you know and um and so I just 
I remember I got down on my knees and I and I just prayed and I just surrendered my my heart to the Lord. So uh, you know, like I said, it was right before my twenty seventh birthday. And um, I even wrote it down. I don't know what made me think to write it down, but I did. And so I still have that paper somewhere. And, um, and so I, I was just changed, you know, from then on. After that, I became even more, you know, um, just excited about learning. I, um, I, I would just read everything I could. I was reading books, um, even like classic books on Christianity. I started listening to Christian music a couple years later. I guess it was like two years later when I started listening to Christian music. Just really became in, immersed in the culture. And the funny thing was I didn't get baptized right away. I got baptized like two years later. But um, but yeah, and so that was the beginning of my faith journey. And I know that I was so changed. You know, that I was I was never the same person again and when I look back now now it's been I guess 23 years since that time and I was I had a lot of zeal for a really long time I I wanted to serve the Lord as I got married and then had children you know we were always in the church I you know volunteered in the preschool ministry I volunteered in the children's ministry I was involved with my mops group and Um, and later on I would go into missions and I just, I loved the church. I loved God's people. I, and I just, I only wanted to serve God. I had no real interest in anything, um, as far as a career, you know, with three small kids, I, you know, they kept, they kept me busy. Um, but I just really, I just wanted to be on mission for God and just live for him. And, um, that zeal lasted a long time (laughs) until um you know life gets hard the christian life gets hard and god's people are just regular people christians you know a lot of times people will talk about that christians are hypocrites or christians are the worst or whatever and sometimes i feel like they are sometimes i feel like you know what i think you're right and and the reason that i would say that is because Sometimes Christians do things that we know we shouldn't do. You know, um, we're supposed to be loving to one another, but we're not. We're supposed to forgive one another, but we don't. You know, we're supposed to have patience, but we don't. And and the outside world may act the same or worse than us, but they don't know the truth, you know, and they don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them the way that we do. And so when a Christian hurts you, it... Um, it really hurts you and it can really mess you up. And um, through some decisions and through just some time in ministry, I became very hurt by a lot of Christians. And and I'm sure I hurt a lot of Christians too. You know, we never wanna look at our own flaws in the mirror, but um, so I kind of was changed for a little while, kind of went, started to become hard-hearted and lost my my zeal for ministry lost my hope really that that's what it is is you start to lose hope but um you know god is faithful and he will bring you through that time i feel like i am just now coming out of that time to be honest it's been about five years that i feel like i've just been going through the motions with church but you know there's that old saying if you want to 
feel the way you used to feel, do the things you used to do, you know, and so I'm, you know, back listening to worship music more all the time. I really never stopped, but all the time and um, just purposely getting into the word every day, um, trying to memorize scripture. I think that's one of the best things that you can do. And, um, and really not only memorizing scripture, but using scripture to fight. You know, we are in a spiritual battle in Ephesians 6. Um, you know, it talks about putting on the armor of God. I'll actually read that now because I think that is so important that when you get into the battle, the enemy wants you to lose your zeal. He wants you to become hopeless and he wants you to believe that God is not good, you know, and that um, he's not for you. And if you, if you stop filling your mind with the word of God and with the encouragement from God's people and you start believing the lies you you will just change you know you will lose that seal and so um in Ephesians 6 um verses here we go verses 13 it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, able, you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so I went a little further than the armor, um, but that is Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul, and just reminding us that we are in a battle. And if the enemy can't have you, you know, um, once you confess your sins and you surrender your heart to Jesus and you become a Christian, we are sealed for the day of redemption and nothing can change that. So, you know, we're a believer, but just because the enemy can't have you doesn't mean that he won't oppress you until the day you die. And so there comes a, a point in your life, I think in the point of victorious Christians' lives, that you have to learn how to fight and you have to learn how to put on your armor. And um, the good thing is that, um, you know, that verse talks about helmets and breastplates and belts and shields. You know, they're all um, defensive pieces of armor. The only offensive armor that we really have is the word of God in prayer. You know, that's what we're called to do. And so um, it's just so important that when you feel that hope leaving you when you feel that zeal that you once had leaving you you know God will give it back to you you know um as David said in um Psalm 51 create in me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me um you can ask God to renew your spirit you know um let me go to Psalm 51 because that's so good 
but anything that you need, you can actually ask the Lord to give you and you can feel the zeal come back. You know, you can get um, excited about being a Christian again, even like, even if like me, it's been over, um, over 20 years. Um, let me find this part that I'm talking about. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Yeah, this part in Psalm 51. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing because it is so good, you know. Um, and I remember um, during that hard time when I was really down and depressed um, and just being taught that the Psalms are such a good place to be because that's where David was. And... David had to learn how to cheer himself in the Lord. And so um, this is a good example whenever you're um, just feeling like you need to confess before the Lord and you need cheering, you need to cheer up yourself. Um, Psalm 51 is just a great place to be. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may just be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you um just that part um cast me not away from your presence and take not your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit there is a joy that comes from salvation but as we sojourn you know in this world year after year after year and overcome trial after trial um, we can become weary, you know, and we can lose that joy, but it's ours for the taking if we just ask God to give it back to us and we do the things that we used to do. And so if you're in a position where you just know that you're not the believer that you used to be, you know, you, um, you don't have the same spring in your step, the world has hurt you, the church has hurt you, um, just return to God just cry out to God. And, you know, um, Jesus is called wonderful counselor. And so you can just have like a counseling session before God. And even if it's you yelling or, um, or crying or sobbing or complaining, um, just get it all out. You know, he, he can take it and he's not going to be angry with you. And you'll be surprised how he'll minister to you afterwards because we are his children and he wants us to turn to him for comfort. He's also called the great comforter, you know, the God of all comfort. Um, in Second Corinthians, I believe it says, praise be to the God of all comfort. 
Um, so comfort comes from his, him as well. Um, just cry out to God. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever is bringing you down, whatever is taking your joy, turn to the Lord and cry out to God and he will hear you. Well, that is it for this edition of Whale Rider. Thank you as always for joining in and see you next time.